Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you as a parent gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston shares a personal devotional to help you as you walk through life with your teen. Let's hear what Mark has to say. Hey, there's a scripture in the book of Joel (laughs) that's just three chapters long. But it's Joel 1, 3, and it says, Tell your children about it in the years to come, and let your children tell their children. Pass the story down from generation to generation. What story? What story about you is your child going to pass down from generation to generation? You know, recently I was traveling um, in an airport, and and uh, like I spent half my life there, and I stopped at a well-known burger place, and I ordered a cheeseburger, and I always order them medium rare, no onions, and fries. With anticipation, I waited, you know, what I understood would be the best burger ever, and however, when the waitress brought me the order to the table, the hamburger was burnt to a crisp, there were onions everywhere, and they brought me onion rings instead of fries. So I really didn't get what I wanted. So I told the waitress, and she said they'd fix it, and 15 minutes later, they brought me a medium-rare hamburger, but with no cheese. There were fries this time, but I still wanted a medium-rare cheeseburger. I told the waitress I ordered a cheeseburger, and I still didn't get one. And she apologized, and she came back, and she vowed to get it right this time. You know, third time's a charm, right? Not in this case. This time around, I got a medium-rare cheeseburger with fries. The only problem was onions were all over the thing. I still didn't get what I ordered. And I said, thanks. I promptly took all my belongings and left. I had no time to get a meal elsewhere. My flight was about to depart. I didn't get what I wanted. I felt frustrated. I was still hungry, and I got on a plane. And at that point, I wanted to eat something. And I had to settle for the airline snacks because the place I anticipated disappointed me greatly. I expected something that was going to be satisfying. And when it disappointed me and I didn't get it, my hunger pangs drove me to settle for something far less than what I really longed for. My hunger got satisfied, but not with what I wanted. And now every time I see that burger joint, I remember the failed cheeseburger experience and I turn away. My sense of disappointment still remains. Not only in the burger place, but also in the waitress who really had no interest of taking care of my order. The scenario reminds me of, of a scripture from Luke 11, 11 through 12 that says this, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? In this scenario, if the son doesn't get what he wants, eventually he'll leave and go elsewhere so his hunger can be satisfied. You know, parents can give kids a satisfying meal of wisdom when their culture and social circles offer them an incorrect order of foolishness. And so teens are asking for fish and egg to fuel their lives and offer their only given cotton candy, the fluff of information overload instead. You know what was happening with me every time I see that place that uh, that I ordered the cheeseburger, 
It reminds me of my great disappointment. And you know what's crazy? I pass that place all the time, and I've never been back. It's because they didn't give me what I wanted, what I ordered, what I'd hoped for, what I'd longed for. And so I decided that, you know, maybe I ought to eat chicken. <laughs> so now I stop at Chick-fil-A all the time instead of eating a hamburger. You know, teens don't come to parents to get more information. They usually come to ask questions. They're seeking insight and direction, and this offers the perfect opportunity for you to share your mistakes and your failures and your struggles. And after all, you know, those are your source of wisdom. But quite honestly, information is a dime a dozen. It can be found anywhere and shared by anyone. I had a, a mother recently tell me, I really would like to be Google and Siri and Alexa to my child where I can provide all the facts and details. And I looked at her and I said, no, you don't. Your kids are looking for wisdom. They don't want more information. You may have some information, but that's not what they want. And so information is communicated in the teaching model. Wisdom is shared in the training model, which means I, I, I look to, to help them learn about life through those things that I'm sharing with them. You know, and one of my greatest concerns for teens today is how they're viewing Scripture as, as really just another piece of information and not so much wisdom. Because they're in an information world, they categorize Scripture as just another historical reference, a good story, more material to, pro to process, and a mere set of data that is part of their family tradition. What they really want to know is how Scripture relates to them, how the Bible can help them get to a great place in life. And that's the wisdom from the Scripture, but it needs to be presented in a way that seems applicable to their lives, and parents can share that. For example, I mean, let me give you a quick example of the difference between information and wisdom. Scripture clearly states that sex within marriage is the only form of sexual relations of which God approves. That's Hebrews 13, 4, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, Jude 7, Colossians 3, 5, Galatians 5, 19, 1 Corinthians 5, 1, and 2 Corinthians 12, 21. Did you get those down real quick? <laughs> For many teens, this is just information from a dusty document. How does it work today? Why would it make sense to swim against a very sexualized culture when sex is fun? Why should teens deny themselves when everyone else is doing and flaunting it? Those are the questions they're asking. And here's why they need wisdom. The wisdom you have and can give. This wisdom is more than repeating scripture that they already know. This wisdom explains why this principle should be followed, and it gives practical examples of the benefits and drawbacks of following the culture or following Scripture. A parent might communicate the wisdom packed in these verses in the following way. And it may be saying this to a child. Instead of just giving information, it may be saying, hey, in all my years, I've heard and lived by the same principles my parents taught me, and this is what I found. Sex before marriage has an unbelievable way of causing confusion in relationships. So if this is the girl you're going to marry, make sure you work hard to not confuse the relationship. Work hard to not muddy the waters with the one you'll spend the rest of your life with. And see how that sounds a little bit different than just quoting Scripture to them? This sample of, uh, of conversation that I'd have with 
with a, a son or even with a daughter includes not only the truth and information that, that's been given to us, but, but it lets them hear the importance of the principle. And it emphasizes how it's relevant to them. In a world of information bombardment, can you dig deep and give wisdom to your kids? When they ask for what they want, give it to them in a way that equips them to counter what the culture offers. Help them leave your table of conversation satisfied, not hungry, not hungry, so they won't accept phony substitutes or shallow facts to satisfy their longings. And I'm not saying that Chick-fil-A is a phony substitute. Please don't hear that. This wisdom is usually shared through stories of failures and successes and lessons learned. These transform information into a true-to-life experience that can affect their choices and selections in life. Share your wisdom with intentionality. Don't just blow smoke in their ears. You don't tell the stories of your life for the satisfaction of telling them. Remember the old folks who used to detail all their health ailments and scared their grandkids and me away? Tell them to offer a balance in their unbalanced world. Tell them to speak the truth in love with affirmations of good and encouragement to mature in the areas of much-needed growth. This is what it means to give your teens what they want. They are looking for wisdom. Now, here's the other thing. Remember I made a comment about, you know, telling stories that could be passed down. For some reason, it's amazing to me how people remember stories. Most times, wisdom and hope are shared through stories that include like a, a concept or a nugget of truth that sticks in your children's mind because the stories give them something that they want. So let me ask you this. Do you tell good stories? Can you think of funny moments in your life? How about those moments that are somewhat bittersweet? What did you learn from the best and worst times of your life? What memories bring a smile to your face? And what tales grab the attention of your children as you sit around the dinner table or in front of the fireplace talking? Your life stories help your children get to know you better, but they also can help them examine their own lives in light of the choices that you've made. Surely, you have plenty of stories you can weave in, into morality tales. A morality tale is a story with a lesson of right or wrong. And make sure each of your stories have a punchline of truth, something that they will remember. Don't overdo it. Often just one line is enough. Make them think and leave them wanting more. Making kids laugh is, is just wonderful. It's a true gift when you can attach a life truth um, that you've gathered and now want to pass along. You know, I, I've always mentioned a guy by the name of Dave Talak, and he made a comment to me uh, when I was a youth pastor at a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, at First Methodist Church. And he said this to me, and Dave since died, but this will forever be in my life. He said, Mark, when you're called to be a servant, don't stoop to be a king. You know, and he told it along with the story, but I, I don't remember the story at all, but I sure remember that line. Um, and I will never forget the impact that that has had on me. Uh, and I heard that, I think, when I was 21 or 22 years old. You know, some of the most impactful stories that I tell teens are the ones where I share my own humanity. Um, 
I admit my mistakes and struggles. I reveal my vulnerability. Um, I've learned to pull the humor out of these stories, and I aim to keep it to one point per story, not 20. Ten lessons in one tale would make the tale not very interesting. It would sound more like a lecture and maybe be too hard to take and apply or maybe even be remembered. So I do this. I practice my stories, even in front of a mirror. You know, think about the funny comedians. They take real-life situations and bring out the extraordinary. They admit when they acted foolishly or saw other people doing something silly. They practiced these routines again and again, and then they perform them over and over, honing and perfecting their craft. The best comics really leave us wanting more. They leave us with a heartfelt lesson they've learned, and we love their routines because we can relate. And so now I'm going to give you a lesson. Think back over your life. Jot down some of those stories or things that have happened to you that, that come to your mind quickly. Think about the lessons you've learned and, and at what expense you learned those lessons. Was it always good or were there some poor decisions that you made? You know, I found that sometimes uh, people love to hear the mistakes I've made. Um, and I can tell you a bunch. You know, I've worked with people for 40-some years, and I can tell you that I've made a lot of mistakes. The way I've hired, the way I've fired, the things that I said that I shouldn't have. There's times that I should have said something that I didn't. Uh, you can leave a legacy of life lessons shared in the most entertaining of ways. And I love it when, you know, when somebody says, hey, tell me about this or tell me about that. And I find that most Truths transfer best through stories, ones that are unique in origin and simple in the approach. And it's because of this, because the story is easy to remember. So let me encourage you to do this. You know, I mean, the first thing I would say is make sure you're giving your kids what you want, what they want. The second part is share your story, include a point, but don't give it away too easily. Let them figure out how it applies to their own life. Every parent has stories. The ones that make a difference offer a point or purpose packed inside a good dose of humor and transparent vulnerability. And mom and dad, you could do that. Now, here's the other thing, too. I would tell you that, that you've got to have the intentionality of sharing wisdom. I'm convinced that sharing wisdom... Uh, doesn't always come naturally and doesn't just transfer by hanging out with your kids. Parents have got to choose to be intentional in order to impart something special that brings wisdom into the lives of their kids. I was on the, the phone last night with a man who said he is going to hang out with his granddaughter over the weekend. And he said this, I plan to spend some time with her because his 12-year-old was struggling with their parents' divorce. Her school had been slipping, her appetite had fled, and the interest in her extracurricular activities had waned a little bit, and she started to isolate herself, and she wanted to quit the things that she loved. And her granddad wanted to help get her through this tragic time in her life by hanging out, but this young lady needed some guidance and direction, and that takes more than just hanging out. 
you know, I'm, I'm sure she longed to talk about her feelings and learn how to verbalize her frustration and know that it's okay to have a hard time dealing with this major loss that seemed to be coming up in her life. And her actions and attitudes clearly showed that she was asking for help and a little bit of hope. And this well-meaning grandpa planned to offer a time of activities and entertainment. But trying to cheer his granddaughter up or distract her from her problems wasn't going to fix the bigger issue in her life or help her process anything. Here was a grandpa's opportunity to do something different. And he said, well, I'll just entertain and spend time. And my point is you've got to be very intentional about engaging and sharing that wisdom. And so I encouraged him to spend some time having fun, but also to plan a time to sit down and open the door to share some wisdom. And maybe it can take place in an ice cream stand or a pizza parlor or a coffee shop, or, but he needed to create an atmosphere where the connection was more than just fun and activity. You know, when you have moments to sit down and enjoy each other's company, um, but there's a larger issue like a divorce that needs to be addressed. I would, I would say something like the following, and it may be very simple, but at least you say it and get it out of the way so that a child can be thinking through what you're saying. It's this, sweetheart, hey, I know it's tough when a family goes through a divorce, and I, I know it's a little complicated, and you have so many feelings inside your head and heart. And I want you to know that if you ever need to talk to someone who has big ears and can listen well, I'm here for you. We can have fun, and I always do with you. But I want you to know that I'm not afraid to talk about the tough stuff that you're going through. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, she may not say anything back to you other than, "Uh uh-huh. But at the very least, in this situation, the granddaughter knows that her grandparent is available to offer a little bit of hope in a situation that she really thinks is somewhat hopeless. Over time teens come back and share with parents or grandparents who invite them to do so. And if you don't offer anything more than a good time, you know, teens might just believe that you only want to keep things light and can't deal with the harder things in life. Or they might feel you love them when all is going well, but you can't and you won't handle them when anything is wrong. So walk the tightrope of conversational wisdom with your teen. If you fall, get back up and try again, but be intentional about sharing the wisdom you possess that can help them. And here would be the fourth thing that I would share with you today that I think is is so, so very important, and that's exposing the truth in love. Because our kids live in an environment where people just don't do this that much. It's it's not always the truth, and it's not always in love, and you put two things together, and sometimes it can be pretty harsh. But teens need to hear the truth in a way that, that does not feel judgmental or cloaked as a demand for perfection. It's a delicate dance, I know, but, but parents need to, to learn not to gloss over what's going on in their kids' lives with a total praise and good times together, but also tread lightly at first when introducing heavy subjects. Give them the opportunity to come to you anytime and, and don't push or prod or be too hard. We get this idea that we've always got to give an answer to anything that our children are asking. And sometimes if we would just be quiet long enough, our kids will come to a good conclusion because you have done a wonderful job as a parent 
to engage them differently and to teach them how to think. But sometimes, I don't know, sometimes we just don't give them the opportunity. But there's something about when you strike that right balance that kids feel a little bit more comfortable about having those deeper conversations. You know, I'm going to say something about grandparents here, and, and, and this is the reason, is that I wish, you know, I'm a grandparent, and um, I wish I would have known things uh, as a parent that I know now as a grandparent. Um, how I wish I would have had the wisdom to engage differently. Um, maybe I would have been more effective as a parent. So here's a word for any grandparent that uh, is listening, and it is, is especially true to all you parents, because here's some wisdom you could probably um, pick up. Because I think grandparents need to land right in the middle, not as an authoritarian who points out every imperfection and not loving people who see everything their grandchildren do as sunshine and roses. If you see your grandchildren quite a bit, then it would would be wrong not to mention the concerns you have. Um, I want my grandkids to know that I love them to pieces, but I will speak into whatever issue that comes up. And I'm going to speak into the elephant in the room. So I confront the obvious. I push past the discomfort of bringing up what may never be talked about. I do this. I do this. My granddaughter is 14 years old. She's going to be 15 pretty quick. And I, she has a boyfriend, and I made a comment to her. I said, have you kissed him yet? And she gets all embarrassed and everything else, and people are looking at me going, why are you asking a question like that? Why, do you, why does that matter? You know what? It doesn't matter, and I don't really care. But you know what I want her to know? Is that I will ask you any question, any question, and I'm not embarrassed. So that's what I want her to know. I want her to know that we can talk about those things, and I don't have to walk away from them. So pick a, 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 an uncomfortable topic, and I will mention it, because I want people to know that I can talk about uncomfortable topics. Are you following me? But you got to do it in love. you got to do it in love. you got to expose the truth in love and talk about it. You can't just go in and just you know say, I'm going to speak to the elephant in the room and then walk out. Because, you know... You're not in their lives to prove to yourself or anyone else that your way of handling their messes and mistakes is the only way. You're there to support and encourage and compliment, you know, parents in the correction and communicate a sense of calm wisdom. And 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 sometimes parents go, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna come in and and tell them what I think." And and grandparents, you know, I'm going. You can't say some things because it's truth, but it doesn't mean that it's said in love. And so don't say things like this, like you're gaining a lot of weight. Why can't you do things like your brother and sister? I told you so. Don't ever use those words. I told you so. They're shaming words. If you only used your head, God, you just ripped apart your child. Well, your actions aren't telling me anything different. Well, that's kind of condescending. You always do this or you never do that. You know what? Somebody says that to me, I'm walking the other direction. Or maybe don't say this. I don't think you can do it because you might just be surprised. Or don't say this. Hey, did you wash your hair this morning? Why don't you have better friends? 
Do you realize when you say stuff like that, that there may be some truth in it, but it's not spoken in love because you're not thinking about your child. You're not thinking about your relationship because those things that you say might push your child or your grandchild a long ways away from you. Sometimes your intent to try to connect may be causing the great disconnect because these comments are all veiled judgments in the form of questions. They may hold truth, but they, they really don't communicate the love and acceptance that we all long for. So you can try to retract these hurtful statements immediately, but let me tell you something, they won't soon be forgotten. Kids internalize harsh statements immediately, and your apology may be accepted, but the sting still remains. So if you ever have to explain what you mean, then you, then you should have done your homework and practice it a bit before allowing the words of shame to come out of your mouth or in your writings um, where you send letters or a text or an email to your kids or to your grandkids. Shame-based comments push kids further and further away from you and into inappropriate behavior. A well-spoken word counters insecurity, inadequacy, and negativity. And it gives value to the one who hears it. Positive words say this, you matter. So choose your words carefully. When words damage and harm, the one who said them quickly gets put on a list of uh, teen's favorite people to avoid. There was a young man that we had lived with us a few years ago, and he said this about his grandfather. And it's always been an encouragement to me how I wish I would have known this when I was a father, just a father. And he said this, he said, Grandpa always listened to me first. Then he'd share a story that made his perspective interesting. He had an unbelievable way of being positive when he was sharing something negative about me. He looked me straight in the eye, and I knew I was loved, I was listened to, and corrected in a way that made me always want to come back for more. Wow, <laughs> that's, that's high praise from a teen. And believe me, don't you want your children or grandchildren to describe you this way? And if so, speak to their issues with a great sense of love. Be intentional about taking advantage of the time you have to share wisdom and pull them out of their fantasy worlds of social media into real life and practice your stories and tell them with laughter and a great message. You, you as a mom or dad or a grandparent can be the one who counters this culture of negativity. You can be parents who bring balance to the off-kilter world that your kids live in. And that's giving your children and your grandchildren what they really want. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, you can visit parentingtodaysteens.org, heartlightministries.org, or markgregston.com. Join us back here tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.